Hi, I'm Dr. Melody. And I'm Joel Hilton. And I'm Katie Stansfield. And welcome back to Life Exchange. Uh, we're excited to be here. Um, are we excited? We're excited. We're excited. We are so excited. <laughs> so, so Actually, we do have fun. We do have fun. <laughs> yeah, I always feel like the the first, when we first sit down, it's like it takes us a second to get revved up. And then once we're going, it's like, oh, we're we're good. We're good to go. We have plenty to say. <laughs> I think my problem is, is my true excited expression sounds like when people fake being excited. <laughs> So it, people take it as I'm being sarcastic, but <laughs> I no, mean I've told I'm people excited. my excited face looks a lot like my regular face. So yeah. don't mistake <laughs> the lack of jumping up and down <laughs> for my excitement. So, um, all right, well let's get into today. We're going to talk about three different questions um, as we've been doing. One of them is going to be about marketplace ministry, uh, or or how yeah I mean how to minister to people who are not in the church, who don't believe the same as we do. Um, another is going to be about comparison, uh, which is always a, a good topic to get into. I think uh, we all know that we shouldn't compare, but we all kind of do it anyway. So i um, excited to get into that one. And then lastly, we're going to talk about, um, for each of us, what is one thing that we feel like people in the church need to hear? Because um, we are, we are sitting in a church right now. <laughs> We're sitting, uh, we are church people. We are in the ministry. So, um, so those are the three in a nutshell. Um, do you have anything to say? Should I jump right into the first question? Yeah, we're, 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 we're ready to we're jump right to in. We, we right. came prepared for action. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we're throwing the first one over to you. Uh, Mama Melody, uh, and this one is towards you, especially because you are a a consultant in the marketplace realm, um, consultant, behavioral analyst, executive coach, all the titles that you have. Um, but you are really you are really in this world and helping people to do this. So the question is, um, can you talk about how do we minister in the workplace? Um, because every time uh, we try to do that, it becomes awkward, uh, or it. We, we don't know what we're doing or how to do it, how to speak the language um, and get our message across without sounding super foreign to the world. Uh, I think the word in that question is try. I don't think we should try. You know, if we feel this pressure that we've got to go and get everybody in the marketplace saved, uh, I think we're really setting ourselves... really quickly there? What? I thought you were going to quote Yoda. I was going to what? quote Yoda. Yeah, because Yoda has there is no try, there's only do. Oh, I don't even know you who Yoda is. Your mother was going to quote Yoda. I was like, well, I was waiting for it, but no, no we don't try, we do. I was I like, all right. No, I don't even know who Yoda is, so I, I'm not going to quote him. And Star all the Wars, serious Star people Wars. are waiting for her answer, and then I just ruined it. <laughs> and all the people that enjoy me ruining it, ruining it, they're like, yeah. They were ready for it. And then all the people that are waiting are like, can we move on? <laughs> so as the you were saying. Yoda. As I was saying. So I think if we try, we put this pressure on ourselves that we have to do something or please God in a certain way. And if we don't give the four spiritual laws or we uh, don't give the plan of salvation or whatever it is, um, that we're not obeying God or honoring God or impacting the marketplace arena. So I think 
first of all, we just have to be those living epistles read of all men. And I love it in the Amplified in 2 Corinthians 3, verse 2. It says, you are a letter of recommendation written in our hearts, recognized and read by everyone. Mm -hmm. And so literally, we are being that living epistle. We're going out and we're just modeling the nature and the character of Christ. And I think that's so important because some plant and some water. Mm-hmm. But only God can bring the increase. And if we feel we got to get out there and get 10 people saved a month or at least two people saved a month or something like that, uh, we're trying to be the one that brings the increase. When God said, I just want you uh, to plant a seed yeah. and I just want you to water that seed. Mm-hmm. And I don't believe it is chapter and verse. I'm convinced that it's not chapter and verse because the Bible wasn't written with chapter and verse. It yeah. was written with truth. It was wit- written with principles that are life-giving. And one thing that I personally do is I take what the Word of God says and how it could impact a leader or an organization or relationships, but I find marketplace language com- to communicate biblical principles. I take even science uh, that proven scientific facts, because I can't go into the marketplace and say, well, the Bible says, because they don't see that as objective truth. Mm -hmm. Right away, they would cut me off. But if I bring science to the table, which is supporting what God has said, because science is just discovering what God uh, has established long ago, you know, from you know, before there was time. And so I think that we got to get rid of uh, this religious way of talking and functioning and acting and just go and live the gospel. I think Mm -hmm. it's just so very important just to honor God with our words, our attitudes, our actions, you know, value people just as Jesus valued them. I think of Jesus, he saw the corrupt business leader up in the tree and he said, hey, I'm going to your house to have lunch. (laughs) And that was just by going to his house to have lunch, he was honoring a corrupt business leader. Yeah, But his actions and his heart and his nature obviously had a major impact on that man because he ended up giving, what, four times back everything that he had stolen. Mm -hmm. So I think the biggest thing is we just have to be individuals that know how to build relational equity and to build trust equity. And once a person uh, trusts you, then when there's dialogue, it gives you a greater opportunity to share your reason for being. Yeah. I think going along with that is a lot of times if we have it in our mind, like I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, witness to three people today in the, in my job, or if it's about that, then a lot of times, and I think believers have gotten in trouble over and over and over again with this is that we um, talk a good message that we're not necessarily living. And then people look and they Mm -hmm. see the hypocrisy in it. uh, And they say, well, yeah, you preach this, this message, but it, Con, it's contradictory to the way that I see you living mm-hmm. and then they want nothing to do with it. Exactly. Um, and so I, again, like just saying what you were saying again um, is just live it. If you actually just live it, cause people are going to see how you're living your life and then they will, they'll either ask you questions mm-hmm. or, or when you say something, they're going to believe it because mm-hmm. they see it. It's matching the way that you're living. Um, so yeah, I mean, getting rid of the hypocrisy is a massive deal when it comes to um, 
witnessing at all when it comes to people's, what they see in Christians. Um, So if we can practice it before we preach it, that's going to be a huge witness just in itself that people can say, well, this is what I've heard about Christians, but you're different. Mm -hmm. You, you live your life in a way that I actually want to be around you. Um, It's different from what I've seen modeled to me in the past. And our world is struggling. Our world is looking for solutions. Mm -hmm. And if I go in with my Christian ease, Christian language, when when I go to another country, I always have a translator. Because if I spoke in English, they wouldn't know what I'm saying. They wouldn't understand it. They couldn't connect to it. But there's a translator that puts it in their language. And so I've had to learn marketplace language. I've had Mm -hmm. to learn ways of communicating, once again, biblical truth in a way that they could understand it and connect to it in their personal lives as well as their professional lives. And that really opens the door because you then carry credibility Mm -hmm. when, when you communicate in that way. And when we can just treat people as if they are valuable, because they are valuable. They do matter. If we treat them in that way, right away, we are set apart from the average person. In a dog-eat-dog world, we're going in serving, caring, investing. We can just model a different way. There was a a man that contacted me, and he was a high-level professor in in a university, and he was stepping out to build a not-for-profit organization. And he contacted me because of things that I do in the marketplace arena. And I said, oh my goodness, your what you are doing is absolutely amazing. I'll tell you, I'll do this and this, and I'll do it pro bono. And the man said, oh, that's a good marketing strategy. <laughs> and I go, marketing strategy. (laughs) And the long story short is we did develop a relationship. I did do things pro bono. uh, But he he told me one day, he said, Melody, it wasn't a marketing strategy. You really Mm -hmm. wanted to invest. And he has become a good friend. And But I was modeling something that he was not used to seeing in the marketplace arena. And that opened up, as I said earlier, relational equity and then trust equity. Mm -hmm. And now we have a friendship which has left the door open for him to continually come to me and me to reach out to him and and have a relationship um, so that as the doors open, I can let him know the hope of my calling. Yeah, And I have led a lot of people to the Lord through my marketplace expression, but I waited till they opened the door. Mm-hmm. I waited till they asked the question because uh, until they asked it and they were hungry for it or they wanted information, I would have been trying to knock down a door that wasn't yet open. Yeah. You know, because I, I don't need to get these notches on my belt to please God. Yeah. I just need to live in a way that honors my God. Yeah. The question was, what are some ways that I can minister in the marketplace? Because every time I do it, you know, I feel awkward. And the question or how I viewed that question is, I wonder why they feel awkward. Is it because they're trying to be someone that they're not? Or they're trying to take the way or the language of the church. Well, that's that's what I'm saying. They're trying to be something that they're not. Right. And I think people just in general 
value authenticity. Mm -hmm. Like when you are your, like I will say this, I will agree with what you're saying, taking the church's language and trying to, but if that is who you are and and that is authentic to you, Mm -hmm. only you, you're really, you got to be who you were created to be. And for some person that might not work, but for like people will value authenticity. Yeah, that's well, true. and it's I'm glad you said that, Joel, because I'm coming from I'm being hired yeah. to go into an organization to get a desired outcome. Mm-hmm. So I'm going in as an, a consultant or as a coach or whatever it is that I'm doing. And I'm going in as uh, as one that's being hired to do a job. Yeah. And not uh, in it's not a Christian coach, it's not a Christian consultant. Right, exactly. Yeah. But if someone it you know they you are a believer and I'm just working mm-hmm. in an organization, mm-hmm. be who you are. Yeah. You don't have to preach to people. Yeah. But you can be authentically a Christian. I'm just saying it might be awkward because you're trying to fit it into what you believe it should sound like rather than just be you. Who, who you are, and mm-hmm. people are going to gravit- gravitate to confident individuals mm-hmm. who yeah. are who know who they are, and just I think that's what cool is. Like you know, when <laughs> in school, it's like oh, they're cool. Well, one of the reasons they're cool is because they're confident in yeah who they are. They, they look they feel cra- com- they look homeless, but they are <laughs> the coolest person in school because they own it, right? Yeah, they own their their style. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, And so that's what, I guess that's what I'm saying. Own your style. Now, I felt like I couldn't add too much to this conversation because I haven't been in the workplace, you know, outside of a church arena for over 20 years. But when I worked, I worked in a warehouse (laughs) and people who work at a warehouse are generally different than, and I worked night shift. (laughs) So people who work in a warehouse and work night shift are a little different. (laughs) I remember people knew me as, I don't know if they knew me as a Christian or they knew that I wanted to be a pastor. I don't remember the context because it was so long ago, but I do remember one question I got, you know, uh, there, there's a main highway in our area and, uh, there's all these rocks, you know, you're driving around the mountain and some, somebody, uh, spray painted on the rocks, Jesus loves you or something like that. And, and that was like the question that I got at work. What do you think about these Christians <laughs> that put graffiti on rocks? And st- <laughs> I don't even know what I said, but I'm just saying that was my environment. So mm-hmm. I had to speak in a language mm-hmm. that I felt comfortable with. And so I know that you're coming from more like a consulting yeah, perspective, yeah. but like when you're working night shift in a warehouse, you're going to get some different type of people. And I think people just value authenticity. Yeah. You not trying to be something. That and, you're not. and I think you don't want to go in with an agenda. Like, like you said, Katie, I'm going to go in and I'm going to share the gospel with five people tonight. And it's like, we're trying to knock down a, door, you know, rather than knocking on the door, if they open it, that's fine, but try to go knock it down and invade someone, mm-hmm. uh, their space, their, their thoughts, rather than just going in and treating them with respect and honor and, yeah. and being a hard worker and just modeling character and integrity and, and being a moral person. It's just like, you know, let's just live the gospel mm-hmm. And people will go, you are different than anybody else I have ever met. 
I mean, that's what people have said. You know, be, to me, they say, you're not like any consultant I ever met. <laughs> and it isn't because I'm preaching. It was like I was living, I was authentic. I was living what I preached or living what I taught. And, um, and I genuinely valued them. Mm-hmm. And when they knew that, their hearts were really open to me. Yeah. So you come from the perspective of you should preach the gospel, and if you have to use words, yeah, kind of preach Francis. the gospel, and if necessary, use words. That's Saint Francis of Assisi. Yeah, yeah. and that's one way mm-hmm. to do it, right? I mm-hmm. mean, I, it comes back to like what fruit is is it producing? Like some people might have that mentality, and they're not impacting anybody, right? You know, and and some people are more out there. I guess I'm just a big person on you have to be who God created you to be. You have to step out in faith in what you believe. If it makes a mess, then you have to be willing to clean it up, you know? So uh, I I think if you're feeling awkward, tap into who you are, who God created you to be in your own original way. But if you have a heart to minister, that's the first place because a lot of Christians just don't have a heart to minister mm-hmm. in the workplace. So if you have that heart, that that's the first step. Kind of an example I'm thinking of is like if I'm meeting someone new and if I lead with I'm a pastor, immediately, yeah, immediately. I, I know. I don't even bring it up. Their countenance changes. Like they have to be this perfect person or they're, they get you know offended. Yeah. Um. So if I lead with the, the title, I get one totally like one response. And that, but if I connect with a person, I'm just talking with them. Yeah. My name's Katie. We're, we're getting to know each other and I, and you know, we're connecting and they say, Oh, what do you do? Oh, I'm a pastor. And then they go, this conversation was really normal. <laughs> like, <laughs> Oh, you're just like me. You have flaws. You have things you're working on. You, you speak, you know, the, the language I understand. And then I say I'm a pastor. It's a completely different response because I didn't go in trying to make them alter who they were. I just went in as myself and that allowed me to connect with them. And then once they learn, you know, a title or what you do, then it's a lot more easy to just, just be yourself, just connect with them um, and they don't care. Like a lot of times, if you know a person and they like you, they don't care if you believe in Jesus. Exactly. They don't care. I've learned if you genuinely value someone, they do not care. But if I if you go in at first, you say, I believe in Jesus. And You're right, right. I mean, You're right. you just kind of shut down that ability to connect with I've them. I've not had one person push me away because they found out I was a Christian yeah. or a pastor because I took the time you know, to to value them and to build that relational trust equity. There's a neat story because I was doing one of, I used to do, they were called valuing humanity events. Mm-hmm. And there was this a woman that was there that uh, had a lot of influence in the city that I was in. And she just loved what I did. And so we had so many phone conversations and uh, she just loved me so much. And then one day she called me, she goes, Melody, I Googled you and you're a pastor. <laughs> and I said, yeah, I am. Wow, that's awesome. And, and that was the end of the conversation. But it was like, she was shocked to see I was a pastor. Yeah. And that just so 
blessed me because she started Googling what I do as a pastor. Yeah. And I thought, my goodness, if she was Googling what I do as a pastor, she probably got the salvation message somewhere <laughs> along the line as she was checking me out. But it was just so neat because she didn't care if I was or wasn't a pastor, yeah. but she liked me. Mm-hmm. And I think I think we just got to be good, kind, loving human beings. I always, I bring it up a lot, but 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter, and I, mm-hmm. I taught this to our kids in church for just months and months, but um, just being those things is, is going to, it's going to change your life. It's going to change your relationships. It's going to change your influence yep. on the world because the list love is incredibly patient. Love is gentle. Love is kind consistently. The the language, I forget which translation, but love is consistently kind to all. Love does not boast. Um, love is not jealous. Love celebrates when others succeed. Love, um, just go through the list. I don't have them all in front of me, but love is not selfish. Love does not rejoice in the in evil. Love doesn't look like the world. When right. the world is celebrating gossip and slander, love doesn't do that. And so when your behavior models something completely contrary exactly. to the world, which is leading people in a destructive direction, um, that is the biggest witness you will ever be. And it's not easy because it's the way of the kingdom that is completely counter to the way of the world. Um, but that's that they will know that we are Christians. Why? By, By our, our love. love. And love is patient. Love is kind. All of those things. So just move, moving towards a direction of practicing love um, is going to model Jesus to the world. Amen. Yeah. So I hope that we uh, answered that or gave you some <laughs> tips that maybe you don't feel as awkward next time you try to Share your faith with those around you. Yeah. All right. So our next question. Our next question is, I find myself always comparing my life to others around me. How do I stop doing this? Can we just state the obvious? Get off Instagram. (laughs) (laughs) It is true. Just take a break. Take a break from social media. Um. Even a short break, if you don't think it's impacting you, if you think, well, that's not the issue, well, just try. Try getting off of it for a week, two weeks, a month, and just see if it's different. See if um, if that's making a difference in your comparison cycle. I can look on so- social media. You said Instagram. You look on social media. What you see is probably not reality. Well, it's, it's your perceptions. It's yeah. little glimpses. You're not seeing the whole 24-7 life. And right. you're not seeing the whole journey. I mean... If someone is actually walking in the success that they present, that took a journey, right? Yeah, it yeah. took sacrifices. It took whatever the journey entailed, but we don't always see that. We just say, well, look at this. Yeah. And mm-hmm. We don't realize the journey. And another thing that since we are talking about like social media, I think you have to recognize like when you see a post or when you see a story or a reel, you have to understand that most of these are staged, yeah, yeah. Right? Yep. So they only show you what they want you to see. Mm-hmm. And so if you're comparing yourself, it, it could just be to a half truth. You ever see those posts where you see someone looking out the window of a plane, they're like, I'm traveling, but it was actually a picture of them looking out of the dryer, <laughs> you know, and how they like uh, yeah. uh, manipulated it. It, it. Yeah. it made it look. Yeah. 
And and so that's what I'm talking about. Just because you see it doesn't make it true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so if you're just judging your life based on uh, false perception, I mean, that's that would be frustrating. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think another response to this of how to stop comparing uh, is to have compassion on yourself um, because you are not in the shoes of anyone but yourself. Um, and I was just talking with a mom in our church and um, her kids are grown now, but she was talking about how she used to, she used to compare so much to other mothers and she used to really put herself down because she wasn't doing what other mothers were doing. I mean, you look on like Pinterest, like bento box moms and like they're making their own like crunchy moms. They're making their own granola and they're like using organic everything. And the internet can paint this picture and that, that could be someone else's choice and that could be someone else's capacity. That could be someone else's budget. That could be someone else's life. There is nothing wrong with that. Skill level too. Yeah, it could be their their time, their ability, all of those things. Well, a funny example of that is I, I used to do lunch for our school. You have you had to do parental duties, and one of the things that I did was help out with lunch. And there was a girl there that had that that lunch that had the vegetables cut up yeah. into shapes, yeah. and they were in their own compartment. And I thought, wow, there's actually people like <laughs> this. <do> that. Yeah. <laughs> There are. My kids didn't have that, but I was like, wow, that's <laughs> but, amazing. But then this mom, she said, and her circumstance, she had five children in five and a half years. <laughs> yeah. She had to realize and have compassion on her own situation that it was survival of the fittest. <laughs> if everyone was alive at the end of the day, if everyone had been fed and was clothed and was safe, that was a huge success. Can you imagine having five toddlers at one time? I mean, the circumstance is very, very different from person to person. And so l- stop looking at someone else's life and saying that their life is, looks exactly like yours because it doesn't. So when you can actually look objectively and have compassion on yourself, you're going to stop. You're going to be able to celebrate them and not put them down, not feel jealous, not compare, not put yourself down. You'll actually be able to celebrate what they're doing and recognize where you're at and be okay with where you're at because that is the truth. That is where you are at today and that your responsibility is to do your level best. No one else's. Um, and, and often we put that pressure on ourselves, um, but no one is expecting you to be like them. And if they are, that's their issue. That's their false expectation. So just have compassion on yourself. Um, and that's really a huge key in stopping this comparison journey um, with other people. I think you also have to understand that when you compare yourself to others, it clouds your vision. Because mm-hmm. you're always trying to fit into what other people are doing instead of being uniquely who you've been created to be. Mm-hmm. And so I think a lot of times we compare ourselves to others or we see what other people are doing and and we want to reproduce that. But but I would encourage you to step out, confront your fear and start that adventure that God has for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, you'll, you'll just be stuck in this, this spin cycle of like, well, look at what this person is doing. And hey, listen, comparing yourself to others is like a human problem. Yeah. It's just not a you problem. Yeah. Uh, so recognize, hey, this is a propensity. Um, so 
like I said, when you compare yourself to others, it really clouds your vision. So you might, like we said in the beginning, like step away from that, mm-hmm. uh, fix your eyes on him, right? Yeah. Uh, keep your eyes on him and then walk the path that he has for you. And that's the thing that's going to bring fulfillment. Mm-hmm. What What's sad is people pursue what other people are projecting and they, then they, for some of them, they get there and they're like, well, mm-hmm. it wasn't all what it cra- was cracked up to be. Yeah. Um, for me, as I looked at this, I remembered the days when I lived comparing myself. And it was before social media and all those <laughs> other things that really add a lot of dynamics to people's lives now. But uh, I think one way to stop it is to ask yourself why. Why am I comparing? You know, uh, for me, there was life experiences that brought shame. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were life experiences that told Melody she wasn't good enough. Uh, there was trauma. There was abuse. There was different things that caused me to believe I was not as valuable. So the propensity was to compare myself with everyone else because they were wonderful and I'm so bad. And because really when we do compare ourselves, either we will see ourselves less than or greater than. Uh, So both of those are destructive and negative and untrue. So I think if we can ask ourselves is, okay, is it who I'm comparing myself to, or is there something in me that cannot see my value? Mm -hmm. And then if we can acknowledge that, then we can start a journey of healing, get the help we need, and begin, because the bottom line is, is when we can see ourselves as God sees us, we'll look at somebody else and love what we see in them and recognize we are different from them, but we love who God created us to be. Yeah. We don't want to compare ourselves. And and the less we compare, the more we can champion others as well as ourselves. I would also say that it's okay to be inspired by someone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very much so. But it gets weird when you just try to copy someone. Right. Now, I know that this question is more on a personal perspective, but I think this is true in a corporate sense, in like the church sense. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like... What is Elevation doing? Ah, mm-hmm. oh, you know, that's good. When with their trillion-dollar budget. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or like with worship leaders, it's like uh, on, on my news feed, a new song came out, and nine times out of ten, I click on it, it's like, it sounds like this. Same, yeah. it's They're using the same sounds. And I would think we serve the creator. Mm-hmm. You know, I I think that there is an element where you kind of fit in a little bit and that's okay, but it's gotten to the point of like, well, this is success. So I, my small church of 25 people needs to look like this and it just doesn't work that way. And so it's not just um, a personal thing. It's also in ministries where, um, and I, and I get, like I said, it's okay to be inspired, Or in business or what someone has. Exactly. You know, how much money they have, what car they drive, what house they live in, all those things. And our lives are all different. Yeah. And we don't know the price that was paid. Exactly. So I would say you have been created to be unique. Mm -hmm. And sometimes being unique is scary because 
the nail that sticks out gets hammered, <laughs> right? <laughs> and some of you are okay with that. <laughs> you know, you got people that love being unique, but for most of us, we have to step into that a little bit because I truly believe when we can be authentic, mm-hmm. when we can be who we were created to be, we are going to have the most impact. Like I said before, it's okay to be inspired by someone or a ministry or a book or or whatever. Yeah. But if you try to repu- replicate it um, and not have your own personal spin on it, then what's the point? Because it's already happened. Mm-hmm. How much are you advancing the kingdom if you're just regurgitating what's already been done? Yeah. And I think it goes back to what I said quickly earlier. When we compare ourselves, we'll see ourselves better than or less than. And so when we start looking and seeing what other people do, when they have an ability to do something a whole lot better than us, Mm -hmm. the fact is it's so easy to look and say we are less, less than. But you know what? If we're walking in obedience to the Lord, we are not less than. Yeah. Uh, And so I can't determine somebody else's level of obedience to the Lord, but I can determine mine. And when I honor my God, I am successful. Yeah. And I I love that you've used the word a few times, Joel, uh, authenticity. And one thing I do love about our culture, people are valuing authenticity more than they ever had. You know, because when I was younger— it wasn't about being authentic. It was about being successful. Mm-hmm. It was about what you produced. It's about what you did. It's about what you accomplished. And But now there are so many people that are saying, listen, I just want real. Yeah. I'm tired of all this comparison stuff. I just want to be real. Mm-hmm. And when you are really, you can become a generator of hope when you're just real and authentic. Mm-hmm. But I think that authenticity can only happen when we are very secure in who we are in God and know we're, we're And when you're always him. comparing or trying to live up to something that you're not, it's going to be exhausting. Yeah. Yeah. And so when you can actually live from who you were created to be, that's actually going to excite you and empower you. And, mm-hmm. and I'm not saying it wouldn't be scary I'm just saying it's going to be the thing that actually brings fulfillment and hope and, and yeah. What has got our attention will have our direction (laughs) and who should have our attention. Yeah. I was just going to say, we become like what we look at. Yeah. And so if you're looking at everyone else and trying to become like them, you're going to be dissatisfied. Yeah. But if you're looking to the one who created you, who um, knows everything about you, who put everything inside of you that you need to actually live a fulfilled, abundant life. Mm -hmm. uh, If you're looking to him, then you're going to learn to love your life because you're, you're looking at um, the one who created you and you're looking you're going to actually begin to be able to look in the mirror and to see what he's put in the inside of you and love your own life and um, that you won't even have that propensity or that you won't even have that um, desire to look at someone else because you're so fulfilled in your own life. Uh, so look to him um, to find, to find yourself, to find your own life. Um, it's just as you were talking, I was thinking about John the Baptist. <laughs> okay. You know, <laughs> The way he dressed, what he ate, everything that he did. He was like completely different, yeah. but 
He did exactly what God called him to do. Didn't it's good well, he didn't get into the whole comparison trap. I don't know that that's the best <laughs> example to use. I just had this little picture of John the Baptist and going, wow. He was a very secure, a secure guy knowing he was, you know, yeah. looking in the right direction. He wasn't yeah. comparing himself with the world at that time. One <laughs> last little practical thing with this question, uh, how not to compare is practice gratitude. Because mm. if you really start to intentionally focus on what you have and mm -hmm. what you are grateful for, it really helps you to not look at what, what somebody else has and be That's and good. compare yourself to it. That's good. All right. Question number three. All right. Well, this question, let me get the words correct. What is one truth that you feel people need to hear in the church? I, I can start. All right. You know, great. All right. So here it is. All right. <laughs> you only get one. So I, it's only one. And uh, hold on, it's coming. And uh, so the one truth is God's word is inerrant, meaning without error, mm -hmm. not our interpretation of it. There you go. So good. good. And I think what happens in the church is our opinion becomes more important than people. Yeah. Oh, so good. Now, I'm not saying that in a lovey-dovey type way, like how you guys <laughs> Oh, would. we know, we know. <laughs> like, I'm like, people are more important than your opinion, <laughs> And then shed a tear. No, I'm I'm just I'm stating this from don't be a minister of division. Mm -hmm. I think we need to look at ways that we can partner to build the kingdom and love one another, uh, show value for one another. Mm -hmm. And so um God's word, yes, it's without error, but our interpretation of it is not without error. So I think we need to extend more grace yeah. uh, to our brothers and sisters that don't necessarily agree with us. Um, and I, I, I made a meme or whatever. And so the, it said, three seconds into a conversation on theology, and the, it was a, a video from a movie called Office Space, and it's like, the guy's like, yeah, um, mm, I think I'm going to have to disagree with you on that one. <laughs> Five seconds into theology, right? So I, I, I just think we need to show respect to one another. I think we can have these conversations, but if it gets into name calling and division, I just think there's a better way. Mm -hmm. Can I, Are we speaking into sure, these things yeah. or are we just mm -hmm. stating them? Yeah. Okay. Um, I think like with that, the word of God is inerrant, and, but the word of God even says itself that it is divisive. And so it's not about changing the word. So the other side of that is we also don't manipulate the word in order to appease people. Yeah, the point sure. is we're not, it's, it's the word. It's not us. It's not our own opinion. Is that kind of like, yeah. does that agree with what you were saying? Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah. Like we were kind of having a conversation on like how much of our political view should be talked from the pulpit. And my viewpoint of it is like the word is divisive enough. Yeah. Truth is divisive enough. Like we don't need to add our own political opinion into that. I'd rather it be from truth of the word. Yeah, right. Then, so yes, I agree that truth, the word of God, um, objective truth is divisive. Mm -hmm. But in a lot of things, especially in the church, there are so many things that we can 
be agreed upon that we can actually work to build the kingdom of God together. Yeah. And I think that's how it yeah. should be. And like I said, truth in itself is divisive, but part of truth is loving one another. <laughs> yeah. And if you look at the like the whole New Testament, there were things that divided, but ultimately the goal was unity. The goal was yeah. um, love. The goal was compassion, mm -hmm. uh, leading people to Jesus. So um, that's our ultimate goal. <laughs> well, mine is uh, Christ in me. To to recognize that Jesus dwells inside of me by the Holy Spirit. And that is so amazingly powerful, revelatory. And if we would recognize that we just don't uh, invite him in every once in a while, but he literally, I think you preached on Sunday and said he sets up, he moves in. He literally yeah. moves into our home. He, he's a part of us. He's inside of us. And I think that's so important because if we don't know who Christ is in us, we will go searching and searching and searching and never find fulfillment. You know, we're going to labor endlessly, but never really uh, to to discover who we are or feel the beauty of, of what we carry. And we'll just go, we'll be tossed to and fro all the time. We have to have you know, there's a plumb line, and the plumb line isn't rules and regulation. It's the person of Jesus Christ. Yeah. And so you talked a little bit earlier about the word being div divisive. Uh, I believe the division is separating good from evil, right from wrong, right. Um, that which is of the kingdom and that which is of the kingdom of darkness. And when Christ is in us, we have the great divider, the things that divide between our soul and our spirit. And, and like what you were saying there is, yes, truth is divisive. Truth is. Mm -hmm. But I think where I sense people... Get, right. Like there's a difference between being a minister of division. Right, like right. there's a spirit yes. behind it right. yeah. versus the truth is yes or no, yeah. black or white, right, right or wrong, yeah. right? So that's truth. Yeah. But I think some people uh, fall into just being divisive right, and I agree. filled with strife. I mean, the New Testament talks about it. And so if you go yeah. back and focus on Christ in me, would how would, would I grieve the Holy Spirit? He lives in me by the Holy Spirit. Would I grieve the Holy Spirit in what I say, what I do, what I believe, and how I act? If I recognize He is with me all the time, you know, it's like, oh, it's easy to do something Dark, I mean, evil happens in darkness, right? But if light dwells inside of me, there is no darkness in me. So it really uh, directs the course of my life. It directs how I believe about myself, how I believe about others, how I believe about my world. Mm -hmm. And so when I focus on who I am in Him and Him dwelling inside of me, it it is just directs my whole life's course direction, not in what I do, but who I am and what I become in him. And uh, like, I would never gossip about, gossip about you, Katie, to Joel with you sitting right there, right? <laughs> okay. Jesus is living inside of me. So I've got to recognize either I will grieve him or he will celebrate. Mm -hmm. Well, where you talk about grieving the Holy Spirit, that's actually in Ephesians 4, but the verse right before it, it says, 
Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. Right. But only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And then the next verse is, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. So there is this connection Mm -hmm. between how we treat one another in our communication. Mm -hmm. Yes, truth is divisive. It does divide right and wrong, Mm -hmm. right? But how we communicate to one another is very important. And that is the thing that grieves the Holy Spirit, how we treat one another. Exactly. Yeah. And so I'm, my thought in this, if I recognize that Jesus dwells in me by the Holy Spirit and he has moved into this house, I need to live my life from that perspective. Mm -hmm. My identity comes from that. My purpose comes from that. You know, I hear his voice and I respond to that. How I treat others comes from that. You know, just the decisions, every uh, every decision throughout the day. Now, it doesn't mean I can't eat what I want, but maybe I should ask the Lord on that one too. <laughs> so the, the truth that you want people to know is recognize what you actually have as a believer, who Christ in you. And my decisions, my choices, my attitudes, my actions I don't want to ever grieve mm-hmm. who dwells in me. It's like, I would never, I live with my husband. I would never want to do anything to hurt his heart. Well, and I well, don't want to do One of the any- ways that you know that is through relationship. That's so it's right. cultivating that relationship yeah. with the Holy Spirit. And, and, and if I have that, I don't want to do anything that hurts my father's heart. Mm-hmm. And so I think we would live our life in greater purity in in greater purpose and without comparison, without all those other things, if we would just recognize who lives inside of us and it's, it's to walk out that relationship fully. And also because of him, we have authority over, Mm -hmm. um, over death, over sin, Mm -hmm. over like Mm -hmm. we have authority Mm -hmm. in him. Uh, we also don't have the same spirits as the world has. So he's not given us a spirit of fear. Mm -hmm. So when we recognize that, then Mm -hmm. we can actually live Mm -hmm. as though we have power, love and a sound mind because we, we are aware of it. So yeah, I really like that when we recognize who he is in us, we can actually tap into, um, an abundant life that he has for us. Yeah. Good. All What's right. yours, Katie? Mine. Uh, well, I had one word written down and Joel was like, that's it. That's what you've got. <laughs> it's like, it's going to be a short podcast. <laughs> um, but I knew that that word would give me enough. But my thing, if, if there's one thing that, what, what's the question that I feel like the church needs to know, um, it's, it's just a reminder that Jesus is the whole deal. <laughs> Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Um, no one comes to the Father except through Him. Uh, and so it's not our influence. Our influence is not the way, the truth, and the life. Uh, the size of our church is not the way, the truth, and the life. Exactly. Our politics are not the way, the truth, and the life. Our opinion, um, nothing is the way, the truth, and the life except for Jesus. And yeah. if Jesus is not the main thing uh, in the church, then I think we've gone off. Um and so to me, it's, it's just always, always, always has to come back to him. Uh, and this is not like a, this is not exegesis on this scripture verse, but the way, the truth of the life. I just think um, even through the New Testament, they called Jesus the way um, because he actually showed yeah. us how to live. He actually um, gave us a, a way to, uh, he modeled before us a way to live. Uh, and so if we keep him as 
the primary focus. He teaches us how to live the truth. It is that uncompromising um, black and white word of God without our opinion. Like you were saying, we're not bringing our opinions into this. No, it's it's him. He is the, the truth and he is the life. He is what I will find that abundant life through is him. I will be able to experience a fullness of who he is. Um, and even, you know, you look at the scripture, I don't have the reference, but uh, with Peter and Peter said, you are the Christ, you are the son of the living God. And Jesus says, and on the revelation, on that revelation, the revelation that he is the Christ, the son of the living God, on that foundation, the church will be built. And so if we if we try to build the church on any other foundation, it's sinking sand. It's going to mm-hmm. fall apart. It's going to become about us. It's going to become like the world. But when he remains the primary um, focus and motivation behind everything that we're doing in the church, um, then we are building our the church on a, a firm foundation, on the rock that is Jesus. Um, so to me, I don't need more than one word because Jesus is ultimately... Um, he is the church. He is, he is, he's all of it. He's what we should be doing it for. Everything that we do within it uh, should be based upon him. Um, and so to, that's, that's not just what I would preach to other people. It's what I'm constantly reminding myself of yeah. if I'm trying to, cause we are running a church. We are pastors in a church and every decision that we make, um, I have to think, is this to glorify Jesus or am I trying to model another church or um, to step outside of the vision or the mission that he's given to us specifically? It just has to stay about him. Build his kingdom versus your kingdom. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I don't want the kingdom of giving light to ever be a separate kingdom (laughs) than his. Uh, It belongs to him. Amen. Well, those were some good truths, especially the first one. um, (laughs) But the other ones were good too. I yeah, mean. they were all right. Jesus, you know, it's fine. <laughs> yeah. All right. Anything, any closing thoughts? No. No. I... They're nodding or they're shaking their heads just so you know what's <laughs> happening. Um, so, all right. Well, I guess we're going to wrap this episode up uh, slightly shorter this time. So, slightly. You'll either be disappointed or happy that it's ending. Um, and you can tell us, email us at lifeexchangepodcast at gmail.com. Tell us what you're liking about the podcast. You can tell us what you're not liking as well. We're not afraid of that. <laughs> but, and if you have any questions that you would like us to respond to uh, in a future episode, uh, again, that's lifeexchangepodcast at gmail.com. All right. See you next time. Thanks for listening to Life Exchange. We'll be back next week with more conversation on topics of life and leadership. Until next time, be sure to check out our website at givinglight.org, where you can learn more about our church and access loads of resources to help you grow in your walk with God and people. If you like what you heard today, we'd be grateful if you would leave a five-star review and share with your friends. Be blessed. Remember to shine your light and have a great week. Thank you.